I'm Jennifer Cohen. I'm here to inspire you to go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profits. Welcome to the Go Big to Give Big podcast, where we are challenging six-figure earners to become seven-figure givers. My name is Randy Mullen, and each week, my co-host Steve Arneson and I are interviewing successful entrepreneurs, professional athletes, philanthropists, and other high-performing humans that are inspiring us with their stories. We go deep into uncovering how they have become successful and why generosity is an impact they want to leave on this world. Our mission is to have you leave this podcast wanting to go bigger with your dreams and goals so that you can give bigger with your profits. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into it. Welcome back to another episode of the Go Big to Give Big podcast. And today we have the incredible Jennifer Cohen joining us. Let me tell you guys, if you want to feel like you won't take no for an answer, then you're going to want to consume all of her content and get to know her more. Jen has done it all from creating a fitness app and selling it to Weight Watchers, doing a TEDx talk. She's written for Forbes. She's the host of the Habits and Hustle podcast, where she's interviewed people like Tony Robbins and Matthew McConaughey and Gary Vee and so many other celebrities. She's helped so many celebrities with their weight loss journey. And she is also a well-known author who is launching her newest book, Bigger, Better, Bolder. There is not a lot this girl cannot do. And in this episode, we have some fun with Jen and she just brings such high energy and a can-do attitude to the conversation. And it was great for us to dive into what it means to be bold and take risks. Jen even shares a few stories that will blow you away. One in particular where she shares about how she was able to pull what she was able to pull off from receiving an email from a complete stranger and how she used it to help her get connected to the writers at Forbes magazine to eventually write for it. I cannot wait for you guys to learn and hear from this incredible episode with Jennifer Cohen. All right, we are excited to welcome our guest today, Jennifer Cohen. Thank you to the show. Thank you for having me, Canadians, fellow yeah, Canadians. We're excited. Not very often do we get to interview fellow Canadians, and that's something that we we're just rapping about and chatting about and how exciting it is to actually see other entrepreneurs and business owners come out of Canada and have some success. And that's what we want to talk a little bit to you today about is just your philosophy of the bigger, better, bolder. And I just am so like infatuated and curious to learn your story because you were just a small town Winnipeg girl. And then you've gone on to create one of the top fitness brands and apps out there. You've written articles for Forbes. You've got to interview some of the top names in the country in all different aspects and have had some incredible success along the way. And I know you have some incredible stories of the different journeys that you took to get there. So I'd love for you to just share briefly about how you ended up getting into all of this. Well, let me first say that a lot. I think that the talent in Canada in every area, it doesn't matter if you're in the real estate world or in the health and wellness world, I feel like the talent coming out of Canada is so much greater than people really even know, right? Yeah. And it's true because I feel like right off the bat, we are like are bred differently there. Our work ethic seems to be really high. You know, I don't know. But so that's the first part. So I think when you're Canadians who come to the US a lot of times, the ones I know anyway, are extraordinarily successful just because then you are playing with people who don't really have the same 
maybe some value system, the background, whatever. So you're right away, you're way more ahead of the game, <laughs> out of the gates, out of the gates. So Love that's that. the th- that, yeah. So that's kind of partially how I think it helped me a little bit, gave me that extra edge being from Canada for just that reason alone. That's awesome. So walk us through the journey of how you ended up becoming an entrepreneur. Like what inspired you to become the entrepreneur? And then how did you end up scaling out of just, like I said, living in the small town of Winnipeg and making the moves down into some bigger markets? Well, I think first of all, I'd say that I always had kind of a direction, but never really an exact destination, right? But I always had certain qualities about myself that I had a lot of self-aware to know that I wasn't going to be good working for anybody else. I had a lot of experience to show that. So that is the first part, right? Knowing yourself enough to know what kind of is the environment and the destination or direction you should go. Not everybody should be an entrepreneur. Not everyone would be good at it. There's a lot of unknowns. Some, a lot of people can't take that killing what you eat mentality, which is what it really is about. And a lot of failure, having to learn resilience to get back up again. I kind of felt like I had the kernels of this growing up by having failed and being okay with it. So initially when I got to LA, it wasn't for what I'm doing now. Like it was totally different from what I do now. But like I said, at at the end of the day, the through line was I was always somebody who chased what I wanted and never really took what I got. And I never, I never felt bad by asking for what I wanted. So I may have not got like in my journey, it was not necessarily that I like went for A and got A, right? But I went for something and maybe I didn't get it. And most of the time I didn't, but at least I got something, another opportunity presented itself that I never even knew even existed because I even went for something and did something, some form of action to get there. I love that. And we're going to dive a little bit into your book, but I think this is a good example as I was just reading a little passage, you gave us a little sneak peek of it. And uh, <laughs> it's fantastic, by the way. I'm really excited to get the full copy. Thank but you. There you, you. You share a story about how you got connected to Forbes magazine. You started writing for it. And some of the stuff you said in there is, I followed a direction not a destination. And it was because you got a f- email from the wrong person emailing you. Yes. You're like, hey, his name's at the bottom. He seems like a profound author. I'm just going to call him and see, you know, hey, you sent the wrong email and see where it goes. And next thing you know, he's connecting you to people in Forbes. And next thing you know, you're writing for Forbes. That is the definition to me of your brand and what you're creating because you took something out of just a complete email. And I'd love for you to just share that philosophy. Like, why did you call him? How did you ask for him to introduce you to people on Forbes and have the ability to do that? Um, thank you. So basically, yes. And then what I ended up being, by the way, was I ran leadership for Forbes, which was something I was never a writer. Number oh, okay. one, I never knew how to write, never let alone like string three words together. And now I'm writing for the top business magazine in the world, right? This is back when. Um, and this is one of my philosophies, right? Never let an opportunity just pass you by because another thing I always think about is like regret versus rejection. You know, like what is the worst that's going to happen? I always just go for it because you never know what the outcome will be and it can never be worse off than where you are at that moment. So the opportunity was like, like to what you said, some guy who emailed me, 
I saw from reading the email that this guy was like doing some really cool things. He was a massive New York, like multiple New York Times bestselling author. He was doing a lot of writing on things that were very intellectual and on and stuff that I didn't really know much about, but it, he had this new manuscript and he sent it to me thinking I was his agent because we had the same name. And I was like, I can either delete this email and pretend I didn't see it. I can just write him back and say wrong email, or I can look at his number on the signature of that email and just call him myself and see where that conversation goes. And that's what I did. So I, I, I took the third option in my head and that's what I did. And we ended up having this like long conversation. And what I did, and this is a, something that I talk about is that finding connecting points in that you could connect with someone on. We actually ended up talking about, and I don't even think I talked this much about this part in the book or my stories, but like he actually was someone who was trying to lose weight. He was traveling a lot with his job. And, you know, when you travel a lot, and this happens with me too, and lots of people, it's really hard to keep on a routine, right? So you end up eating badly. You end up like not able to work out as much and you end up gaining weight and it's, it's hard. And so, uh, we, something happened where I, I asked him a question. It, it clicked into that. And then I started giving him ideas and suggestions of what to do. So I led the conversation with giving him some value. So it's not just me being like, help me or do this for me. Like, I don't ever ask somebody of something without like, that's my intention is usually to give first and then ask, right? So having that ability to kind of figure out really quickly who you're talking to and then seeing how you can add service and value to them first. And then once you kind of do that, it's much easier to ask somebody for something else once you've provided them with like really good value or like information or some type of situation where it's not just very me oriented, right? Yeah. So that's how that happened. And then he told me about the Forbes, how he was a writer for that and for this and that and the other. And I thought to myself, like, I never see anything in those magazines about health or fitness. And a lot of times in people's careers, you can get pigeonholed and you get very pigeonholed into what you do. Even though in my evolution of my career, I never started off in the health and fitness business. But when, once I ended up in the health and fitness space, then people wanted to basically keep me there, right? I wrote right. some books in that space. I had a weight loss show. I had, you know, a, a lot of stuff. I had a fitness app that I created. So all like automatically people can be very myopic in how they look at somebody and they think, okay, this is what the person is. So I already in my head knew how do I break, how do I break free from that? If I had Forbes in my back pocket, it kind of just gives me an extra leg up or credibility, even though it's, it's all about perception. Perception is not always reality, right? But yeah. at the same time, it's okay. Well, I'm going to take advantage of this kind of idea. And so I like basically gave, told him an idea I had for Forbes. I pitched him this like column idea, which he laughed at. And he's <laughs> like, Oh no, this is not for that Forbes, but wouldn't even like it and blah, blah, blah. But I pushed finally gave me someone, you know, the editor of the magazine. He also did not turn me down, but I very gently 
you know, I was pretty tenacious, not that gentle, actually. Um, who am I kidding? And then um, he gave me a shot at doing one article. And I said, I'm going to do it for free. So like when you offer to do something for free, very rarely are people going to say no, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter. Even if you, it, for whatever reason, human nature is if I said to you, I, you know, just pay me a dollar fifty for that article, people will say no. Because it's like, oh, I got to give something to get something. But if you say, I want to do it, you have to do absolutely nothing. I don't want one red penny from you, but I'm going to, all I'm going to do is gonna, I'm going to give it to you for free. And that's what I did. And fortunately, that one article went viral and it had got millions of hits, probably still one of the biggest articles today. And it was about like, it was about like belly fat. Okay. In Forbes. Okay. Crazy. Like how to get a six pack or how to lose belly fat. And like, no matter who you are, people are still people. People still want to have like less belly fat. People still want to be, you know, eat better. They still want to look good. So who cares if you're in Forbes or if you're in like, you know, men's health or muscle and fitness? This is something that everybody is still interested in this regardless. And it crushed. And so from there is, okay, fine. You can do another article and then you can do another article. And then like, I was like, he's like, well, do you want to call him in leadership? And then I'm like, hell yeah. And then that, you know, but that whole thing, that whole experience, I like opened up doors to me that I never would have otherwise had. Having Forbes behind me, I was able to interview and talk to people that I would never otherwise have had the opportunity to. Then from that, like everything builds on everything. If I didn't like email that guy, I would never have had the in at Forbes, which then led me to this, which led me to that. Right. So you have to take a shot and you have to just do. You got to like seize the opportunity as you see them and not just be afraid to take action. I love that story. And I'm so glad you shared it. And I hope people go back and re-listen to that because it was just so cool to hear or even read how you went through that process. And I'm sure you have a hundred stories of your tenacity pushing you through and getting you <laughs> oh. what you want. And I want to touch just briefly on your book and it's coming out here at the end of December. And like I said, I'm excited to get it. But I was just curious, what's, you know, obviously in, inside the book, what has been your favorite part of writing it? You know, what was your favorite story to share in there? What was your favorite part of writing the whole book in general? You know, it's interesting. Like what I like about this whole, that whole experience, different than my other books, was that I w it was very nostalgic, right? Because I haven't thought about a lot of these things for many years, first of all. The other part is when I actually like started writing the book, and thinking about the trajectory of how I was able to do what I did, it was interesting that it was nothing was so extraordinary in the sense that I was not, I am not extraordinary in any way, which is what I thought was really profound to show people, right? Because it shows people that anybody can have anything or get anything or do anything if they want it bad enough right? It's not the most talented people. It's not the most exceptional human beings that, you know, s basically get to be the most successful. And by the way, when I say successful, I'm not talking simply professionally. I'm talking having a rich life personally and professionally. And that means having profound, meaningful relationships and having great experiences and doing great things and being, having, you know, giving back all these things. It's not just like money. I want to make money. I want to make money because that is so narrow and that doesn't bring people happiness or fulfillment. 
So I want to be clear on that. But what I will say is that anybody can have a, be- a bigger, better, bolder life if they want it bad enough. It doesn't matter where what your circumstances are, where you came from, how rich your how rich your dad was, how your whatever opportunities that Kate you. It's up to the person, the individual, to go after whatever that it is that they're they want to do. I think one of the things that comes along with that is being deliberate with the direction, as you put it, instead of maybe destination. But I think that's one of those skills or muscles that probably significantly underrated. You know, and through your experience, tell our listeners like how they can go about maybe practicing being deliberate in their intentions, as well as how they become great at it. Well, you just said it right there, Steve. The way that you get better at anything, if it's football, if it's Spanish, if it's hockey, I should say, because we're Canadian, (laughs) uh, right, Um, is practice. The only way to get better at being bolder and asking for what you want is starting to do it and practice it day in, day out. You're not going to get better at anything if you just think about it in your head and not put any action behind it, right? So you have to just do it. It's not, there's no magic. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it's a magic formula. First, you do this, and then that will ricochet into that. Every action has another reaction and then gives you another action, and it's like momentum. Mm -hmm. It it really is inertia, right? Something in motion stays in motion. So what you have to do is start practicing on the little things, and then as you get better on the little things, you get better at the bigger things. So whatever that is, I call it like boldness is a skill. You got to practice boldness like you would practice hockey, like you would practice, you know, like anything else, like whatever it is you want, Spanish, whatever you want to learn. I'm here to tell somebody, this is what you need to do. It's really going to be up to the person to then take that information and then apply it. You can only guide people so much if they don't want to do it at the end of the day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's... um the great one has that quote of oh, yeah, you yeah. miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And you have a bit of a similar type of philosophy of your 10% rule of if whatever it is that you want in life, you want to make at least 10 big attempts at accomplishing that or getting that. And primarily to put yourself or to build a muscle of getting comfortable with failure and that probably being closer to the 90% of the time. And then that other 10%, maybe you succeeded at whatever it is that you want, or that alternative happens where something else happens. And then I love what you said, where it wasn't, it's like emotion in motion creates action or inertia. something. Inertia. Like no, I'm like, inertia. It's more like it's an object in motion stays in motion. I love that. And Haven't so you noticed in life though, like if you have people who have a job, get another job offer. People who have boyfriends, get uh, meet other guys. People mm-hmm. who have girlfriends, meet other girls. But the single people are always single. The unemployed are the still the same people are always unemployed. It is the same thing. Somebody in motion, constantly going and doing, they're constantly going and doing and getting other opportunities and seeing other things. They're like, you know, like it's, it, there is a real truth behind that. Mm-hmm. Like, Kevin, just, it's the same people who are single over and over for years on end. They can't meet somebody. They can't get arrested. But put somebody out there who's has a relationship. They'll meet a hundred girls that they, even though they have a relationship because that's, an energy that they're putting out there that it's a confidence, it's an energy, it's it's what happens. And it attracts like and ways too. And the question exactly. I want to ask you is of all of those, you know, tens of attempts that you've made to be bold or accomplish, you know, such as this goal or get to such a such direction, 
what was one of the biggest risks that maybe didn't pay off for you personally? So many, <laughs> so many. No, seriously, there's so many. I mean, there's like the truth. The truth is there has been so many that, you know, when there's so many, you just can't even remember one. And it doesn't even, I don't even think about them because some of the most in that, in that moment, in that moment of time, I thought this was the most important, the biggest thing, the thing that was going to change my life. And a lot of times I don't even remember what they are. Right. But I can go back to when I started a company called No Gym Required. Right. My first book was called No Gym Required. And I started a shoe line called the NGR Fit Shoe, which was a shoe that was, you can burn 50% more calories if you had these like midsoles in, right? You can put them in, put them out. And because of the resistance, you're burning more calories. And it was, by the way, still to my, to this day, it's still one of these things that were like, I'm like, it was such a great idea. And I sold so many of these shoes and I had no backing. It was literally like me and this other guy that I like basically coerced to be my business partner. (laughs) And we like stole like so many shoes and we finally, I got a, just from again, pure tenacity. I, we finally got this deal with the company because we got stuck because we got stuck because it was the shoes were being manufactured overseas. And because they were heavy, it was costing us a lot in freight. And in order to get the price down of the shoe, we had to buy extraordinarily big volumes of the shoes, right? So we couldn't afford to do it anymore. No matter how many pairs of shoes we were selling, it wasn't, we weren't in Nike or Adidas that had like budgets of a hundred million a year in marketing. We had like $5 basically. (laughs) And it was literally that. So finally we met this company or I met this company that was willing to do this deal with me and I put my heart and soul into this deal. I spent all my money on the legal, you know, all the lawyers to get the deal done. And we had this deal that he was going to then be able to manufacture the shoes for me and pay for the volume. And I would own 60% of the company. He would own 40% of the company or 65, 35 or something like that. All the money, like I said, we ever had went to the, all the legal issues and all the legal paperwork. And then we get the deal and then he decides on a whim, and he was like a big company, that he didn't want to do the deal anymore. He found a loophole to get out of it. So then now he basically bankrupt me because now I had no money left. And also we had all this time spent on doing the deal that like, remember when I said earlier about momentum, you know, something in motion stays in motion. We weren't doing anything with the shoes. I wasn't out there going after it as hard because I was too busy getting everything legalized and doing, and it wasn't going to be mean where our momentum was now dipped and lost and other brands were coming out, not like ours exactly, but in the toning shoe space, like Skechers, who had a budget of like $400 million and like was crushing us. And this guy was friends with that guy. But anyway, long, that's, I'm, you know, you can tell I'm so agitated about this one. But <laughs> anyway, long story short, it was one of the most heart-wrenching experiences because really it like, it ruined my business. So I would say that I learned, and I hate when people say this, oh, but I learned so much. It still sucks when, you know, you can learn a lot and be still pissed off that deal went south. But I did learn a lot. And I met a lot of people doing the shoes that, again, helped me or basically catapulted me in my career in other areas that, like, I didn't even know was going to happen. And for that reason, I'm grateful. But other than that was one of the things that 
man, that takes yeah. tenacity to get through that one for sure. Yeah, I wasn't very <laughs> happy about that one for sure. I want to pivot a little bit and get into some of the giving topics here. I know you have a bit of a philanthropic background and you're a part of some charities and stuff. So I'd love to dive into that. And I'd love to start by telling us a little bit, you know, like what made you want to go and create or co-found the Good Human Foundation? And what is it all about? Okay, so yeah, you were asking me that before we started. So actually, it started off as an event that me and my best friend, another Canadian, a fellow Nikki Austin from Montreal, who's still my best friend, by the way, we did an event called Babes for Boobs. That was what it was. And what it was, if I were to be honest with you, how, how this whole thing came about. We love honesty on the podcast. Um, it came about because I was getting married again. I was married before for like two seconds to a Canadian. We're still very good friends. That's no hard feelings. But um, I then moved back. I was living in LA, moved to Tro- back to Toronto for a little bit, moved back to LA and uh, started dating this other guy, blah, blah, blah. And then I was now engaged, going to get married again. And I, everyone would always tease me because I would always go out with these guys. Like a lot of the guys I would date were really extraordinary. To be honest, they were very successful, educated, attractive, athletic. And so people would always tease me and be like, what are you going to do with all these guys now that you're always dating that like in a, in a fun, loving kind of way, right? And one day I said to, I said as a joke, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to auction them all off. So I'm going to like <laughs> and, and give all the money to charity. And then I thought to myself, you know what? That's what I should do. And so breast cancer is like my mom had breast cancer. I had a major breast cancer scare at a really young age. So it was always something that is always and still is very near and dear to my heart as a charity or as something that I really wanted to do something with. And I do believe it is important for people who have influence to attach themselves and find ways that they can give back or be helpful into the world around them versus just being like a selfish, you know, looking at themselves as just, I want to make money for me. I don't love that whole mentality. So I always knew that cancer and then breast cancer especially was really near and dear to me. So I said to my best girlfriend, Nikki, who was single at the time, I'm like, you know what we should do? We should because she was a publicist and I had my skill set and she had her skill set. So I'm like, let's join forces. Let's auction off these dudes, these guys, and like it, on dinner dates. And then all the money we raise will give it away to breast cancer. So then we like partnered with Susan G. Komen at the beginning. And she thought I was nuts. They thought we were crazy. <laughs> we had this meeting and like literally like 10 guys that I knew from like my life and then not all of them I was dating, but I knew them. I would always, they would be like in my orbit, so to speak. I called them up. I'm like, Hey, do you want to be a part of this, you know, auction where we got like an auctioneer from like Sotheby's, like a professional auctioneer to like <laughs> auction off these guys. And it became like a major event in LA. Like we had so much press, like entertainment tonight and us magazine and every wow. single like media outlet would show up and like a ton of celebrities. We had all the people from like The Bachelor, you know, that show The Bachelor. Yeah. That's, they all showed up. There were a couple of those bachelors ended up being our wow. our bachelors. And so that's how the whole thing started. And the first year we raised a bunch of money, like I said, and we gave it all away. And it was so successful that we ended up doing it again the next year. And then I had other guys and my job was to find the guys if I didn't have any 
I got to find, I had to find more. And basically it was like to auction off the most eligible men in Los Angeles for these dinner dates. And it was tongue in cheek. It was fun. It was super fun. It was like, it wasn't a serious thing, right? It was for these dinner dates. Some women took it a little more seriously than they should. But overall, that's how we did it. And we did it like year after year for four or five years. And finally, we're like, you know, let's start a whole charity and let's not just do breast cancer, but let's give it away to other kinds of cancer, overall cancer. So we, then we started, we created this foundation called the Good Human Foundation, where we we're going to give money. We we're going to raise money for like women kind of related illnesses or causes. And that's how that happened. And so that's what we did. And it became like, you know, it became like a full-time job. It's not so easy to be doing these things. And it's been really difficult. And so we stopped with COVID when that happened. We haven't done it since 2020. So it's been 20, yes, for like two, three years. And, you know, we're trying to see if we should be doing it again. But it's, yeah, so time consuming. But that's really something that that's how we started it. And it was super fun to be doing it with my best friend. And we had a lot of success. We raised a lot of money. And we had a lot of fun at the same time. I think you should definitely do it again. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, Steve, would you be a bachelor? Sign me up. I'll be a bachelor. Absolutely. Okay, there you go. I'll have to work on my six pack, but yeah, it's not about a six pack. It doesn't have to be about a six pack. Remember. Oh, no, I look in the suit. Don't you worry about that. Okay, good. Okay, good. So next time I do it, I'm going to call on you. All right. All right. I feel this like little bump in energy when you talk about these types of things. And I'm curious, like, do you get a little bit more motivation or do you put a little more effort into the business when it might be attached to a fun, good cause like this? Sometimes. Yeah, of course I do. I think that anytime you are giving back or helping other people, of course, it's a bump in energy. It makes people feel good when you do that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. You know, there's a whole study and I talk about this actually in my book about gratitude, right? If you... People think if you just write journal, oh, you know, like I'm grateful for this and that feeling of gratitude is like the best way to get that emotion. But actually, the truth is it's about action and it's also about telling somebody and doing something with someone else. Yeah, I do like that part. It's awesome. I do think that gratitude too is almost one of those undervalued skill sets to have because it's not only just being grateful for all the positive things that might be floating around, but we chatted very briefly earlier in the podcast where you can actually like rewrite your brain if you think about things a little bit differently. And with gratitude, Randy and I practice this on a daily basis where you got to find the absolute shitmost thing happening to you right now and find some sort of element of gratitude in it. And shout out to one of our past guests, Ricky Mendez. He's the gratitude king, basically. But one of his like poem pieces is I'm grateful for the screaming baby on the plane because it means I can hear. And so I was just trying with yeah. my my PT last week about just being grateful for those shit moments in life. And it reframes how you look at the world. And as you practice it, it doesn't become work anymore. It's automatic. It's like those neurokinetic connections in your brain do change. They reform. It's like building muscle. Um, sorry, tangent. Next question. No, no, no. It's very interesting. I agree with you. And it's like, this is a dialogue, Steve. You can say something. I don't have to be sitting here just speaking and speaking. It's good to hear. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I do want to kind of pitch into this question with my last question to you. And I want you to talk about a moment of like, that was really profound for you about giving. It doesn't have to be the biggest check that you ever wrote. It doesn't have to be, you know, this grand type of thing. But was there a moment that you can look back on that like bring a tear to your eye or pull a heartstring and give you goosebumps? Well, I would say, you know what? 
one thing I used to do before I had kids and got really busy was I was a big sister to a little girl who didn't have mm. a really great family life. And I did that for many years with this one girl. And then she obviously grew up and went to college and thank God. And I think that to me, when you asked me about that, when you said you're going to ask me that question earlier or about something like that, that's the one thing that always comes to my mind when I think about how maybe I've been somewhat impactful on someone's life is that, you know, giving guidance, again, not monetarily, you know, it's, it's about being there for someone, listening to somebody, being a good person, being a good friend, being a good humanitarian, always, right? It shouldn't be a one-off situation. It should be a full-on, all the time, how can I help somebody, you know, be better or if they're in need of something. That's just how I was, that's just how my brain works. That's the Canadian way. It's the Canadian, thank you. Not, but, but not everybody, like, a lot of Canadians are like that. Not so much always here, but I think that in overall should be the underlying theme that people go with. It shouldn't be a one-off. Oh, I did this one time, so therefore I'm a good person. No, if you just get credit for it. You know, I don't think that it's about getting, it's not because your light, your name is in lights and therefore, you know, look at me. It's what people don't know that you do. I think it's super important to have that as well. Oh, you're preaching. I love this. That's, that is like the ethos <laughs> of the podcast of just be a good human and do good in the world. Like it just makes sense to build a business. If you're going to build a business, if you just put a line item of giving in it, then yep. it's part of your business and you're just a good human. And it should just be expected now of people that like, if you're able to go make a ton of money, just do a little bit. It doesn't, we're not talking about donating your entire savings, a few dollars per transaction, something like that. And whatever space you're in, maybe a little bit to you, but can make such a massive impact to someone else. So Absolutely I, I love where you're going with that. And it's a perfect transition to go into what we call our giving round, where it's some rapid fire questions for you. Quick answer, fast and furious. Are you uh -oh. ready? Yes, fast let's do it. Greg, on one charity that you like that isn't your own. I love City of Hope, which is for sick kids. What would be more excited, donating a million dollar check to City of Hope or coins uh, and helping them for a week? physically uh whatever would be more useful if they needed the money to get certain you know medicines or help for the kids or to get their wishes or whatever happening or i like that one to make a wish foundation is another one i like any of the children's uh i need any children's charities if i could be better off with a week i'd do a week so it depends on what their need was whatever they i'd give them the option how about that <laughs> like a cool okay. answer yeah. Uh, who inspires you with their giving? Who inspires me with their giving? That's a good question. There's a real estate guy actually out here who I'm very close with, who's super charitable. I don't know if he wants me to say his name or not. I don't know. But there's like a guy, a friend of my mentor actually of mine. You wouldn't know him. It's not the people that you know a lot of times who are the most generous and the most charitable and philanthropic. It's usually the people that you don't know. What's the best way to practice being bolder? by practicing on asking for the little things in life like ask for dressing on the side of your salad and ask and if your meal's not great why don't you try giving it back how about that mm -hmm. or calling your you know service provider of your phone and seeing if there's a better plan out there simple things but simple and effective things and people are right? so scared to do them all that's for sure what do you think of when you hear go big to give big i think of your podcast 
Mr. King. <laughs> there you go. Good answer, right? Good. In one word, describe the feeling you get when you give. Good. <laughs> it's, not, it's easy. Yes, it makes it feel good. I love it. These are your rapid fire questions, guys. Yeah. Okay, go on. Yeah. The final question that we have for you today that we ask all of our guests is, do you believe that money can buy you happiness? No, absolutely not. Why? Because money can buy you a better, it can help with comfort and feeling secure. But the real things that create happiness have nothing to do with money. Money can still make you feel lonely. Money can still make you feel insecure. Money can still make you a shitty person. Money is only, money just exacerbates wherever you, whoever you are at that moment, right? If you're a shitty person, you can usually feel shittier with a lot of money. Very cool answer. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today, Jennifer. It's been an absolute blast. I want to give you a few minutes to just brag about your book coming out. How can people get a hold of it? How can they get in touch with you and just get more involved with what you're creating? Thank you. Uh, they can follow me. I have a website, jennifercohen.com. They could pre-order my book right now. It's coming out December the 27th. Um, they can follow me on Instagram at uh, the real Jen Cohen. Also I'm on TikTok, same name. What else? I think that's enough bragging for for a, a podcast, I guess. Very cool. I'm excited to get my hands on the book, give it a read, and uh, excited to just be a part of what you're creating now with the whole movement that you got going on. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast and inspiring us to go bigger with our dreams and goals so we can give bigger with our profits. And I look forward thank to you. seeing where you end up in a few years. Thank you, Randy. I appreciate that. Thanks a lot, Jen. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. If you know someone who's an example of Go Big to Get Big, we would love if you could share this with them. We want to get our message out to as many listeners as we can. And it all starts by having people like you share it with your friends. Also, if you enjoyed the show, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star review. It's a simple act of giving that is free for you helps us grow our message and in return allows others to find us sooner. And until the next episode, remember, always go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profit.